Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Your Story Transmedia, a startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and video game publisher based in Winnipeg. You can find all of their works, including their ebooks and high-quality magazine-style limited print-run comics at yourstory.ca and use one-time promo code JETS2020 to receive 15% off your order. Tonight's episode is going to be a bit of a strange one because I'm not really going to talk about hockey. It's going to be a lot more about the events that have transpired over the last 48 hours or so. I think at this point, if you haven't heard what's happened, it's almost impossible to miss, I have to be honest. With the amount of stuff that's going on around the Jacob Blake shooting in Kenosha, I think it's really hard to not hear about everything that's happened. Long and short of it, we had another situation where a black man was shot several times by police during a confrontation, and most of the details around this whole case are really sketchy and not publicly known right now. The police have given their version of events just recently, but even then, no one really knows what happened or even what spurred this on, but it's just another situation of a black man in America being shot in a standoff with law enforcement which has been an all-too-common refrain. Now, of course, the first reaction that everyone seemed to have was, oh, he was armed, and yes, he did supposedly have a knife in the car, which, according to the uh, the Department of Justice that operates within Wisconsin, they said he had actually told police already that he had a knife in his possession at some point. But we don't really know much beyond that, other than that officers had tased him, and the, the taser apparently was considered ineffective because he was trying to get to his vehicle. But beyond that, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of information. After that, you know, Kenosha, which apparently has had a lot of issues with racism and, you know, confrontations with law enforcement between the community and the police officers, just boiled over in a situation that we've seen in a lot of other cities and in townships. You know, America over the last four years in particular, but it's it's obviously been going on for generations, America's always been hurting. But now with everything that's happened and all of the incidents that continue to make the headlines and, you know, come to people's attention for the first time, really, in a, in a publicly conscious way, especially collectively, you know, this is yet another flashpoint. And, and I don't know if it's a turning point, because I, I know that we said that about George Floyd, and it feels like that had its time. And then, you know, for as many people as are still protesting, the, the, the public consciousness somehow seems to have diminished a little, which happens with time. But, you know, now we have another situation with Jacob Blake, and it's it's bringing it all back into the public discourse. You know, the the George Floyd protests are actually still ongoing and have been ongoing for weeks now, even months even if the media hasn't really talked about it as much. But the Jacob Blake stuff, it's its it, its boiling over again. And it shouldn't surprise people. I mean, you have minority communities that have been oppressed for many years, a corroding of race relations in America, and so many sectors of society which seek to crave this sort of violence against minorities and an, an implicit oppression of them. By now, I think it should be clear to everyone that things are just broken in this country, and I honestly don't know what the path forward is. You know, working in your community, um, getting active and involved, those are all really important processes, especially working at a local level. But at a broader level, I just don't know what's going to 
what it's going to take to really fix things because there are so many structural issues that I can't even enumerate myself. I'm in the position of not knowing every single thing that's wrong because there are so many areas that we need to tackle as as a society. And later this week, I'm, I'm going to try and get a couple of folks from our network on to talk more about some of these issues because, you know, from my perspective, I can only see a certain slice of it. I've lived in Baltimore my whole life, but I'm keenly aware that I've always lived a fairly privileged life. I've, I've lived a comfortable life, and my experience and my perspectives will always be shaped by those experiences and my limited viewpoint. And so I'd definitely like to hear more from folks around our network to see what their thoughts are, you know, what their experiences are, and how they want people to get involved. Getting involved with the community is something that I, I very much enjoy doing. I think it's extremely important, especially now. You know, I didn't have to grow up in one of the struggling neighborhoods in Baltimore to know that people needed help. You, you could see it every day. But with the Black Lives Matter movement, I think the public consciousness of just how much modern society needs to change is, is really growing. You know, even people who for a long time felt that Colin Kaepernick, when he protested and kneeled, at the time they believed that he was wrong because they felt that he was disrespecting America and disrespecting the flag. But you've you've kind of looked at some of these folks, and when they talk about George Floyd, their opinions have matured and changed. These were folks that I didn't think you could necessarily convince because in a lot of respects, what our opinions are and our feelings are, they don't really change that often. And yet, I think the past several years of, of what's happened have really shown a spotlight on why Kaepernick did and said the things that he did. People in a lot of ways have started to say that Kaepernick was right all along. You know, you can choose to disagree with what he did and how he did it, but I think ultimately his message about the fact that police brutality and really, at, at a very large level, the relationship between the American community, minorities in the U.S., the U.S. government, all of it is so fractious and broken, and I, I think all of this has just shown to highlight that it's been broken for a long time and that we've ignored it in many respects because a lot of us didn't want to admit just how bad things have gotten, but the last few years, they, again, have put it in really stark relief. And it's about time. I mean, you know, th these are issues that have existed for centuries, really, when you think about it. And no matter how much progress America has made as a whole, there's so much work that still has to be done. Many of us have lived in a bubble, uh, you know, disconnected from the realities of, of the world. But even by that, by that same token, I feel like people also put up blinders because it's really not hard to go online and see that all of this is happening. I mean, if you if you know the right places to look, there's plenty of information about injustice and issues all around the U.S. and really around the world. And, you know, it's no longer a choice to sit back and watch as everything unfolds. We are all going to be involved in this process at some point. And, you know, no matter what we do, our actions are going to shape the future of really modern society and hopefully equal rights for everyone. I think that that's what we're really fighting for here, because that's what the American dream should be. It's not about making money and, and being the world's most successful person. It's about being able to live freely without fear of persecution. You know, I come from a fairly biblical family, and I think that that is one lesson that was always taught to me as a kid, but too often people have yet to practice what they preach. The time for that, though, has come and gone. We have a responsibility and a duty. In just a little bit, we'll talk about some of the uh, professional league responses as well as how the NHL has handled the situation because I think if, if you can imagine how the NHL has handled things in the past, their response, especially early, was not so great. But before we talk about the NHL's response, I did want to give you a little bit of positive news about something that I, I very much actually like using, and that's DoorDash. During these times, I think it's important for us to support all of our local businesses, including restaurants, bars, and carryouts. 
With quarantine, though, obviously going outside is a little bit risky, so DoorDash has done all of the hard work and delivers straight to you exactly what you want. Whether you're in the mood for Chinese, pizza, frozen yogurt, Italian, or any one of DoorDash's 300,000 partners, there's guaranteed to be something for everyone no matter what you're craving. Ordering is super easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be safely delivered with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Whether you want to support one of your local restaurants or one of the national chains including Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake factory doordash makes it safer and easier than ever to get exactly what you want when you want it right now our listeners can get five dollars off and zero delivery fees on their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the doordash app and enter promo code locked on nhl you've counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you support them and get rewarded for it with promo code locked on nhl you can get a discount and that's five dollars off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the doordash app and enter code Locked on NHL. Don't forget, that's code locked on NHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Earlier in this heavier show, I did discuss the fact that the NHL and a number of pro sports leagues have responded to this whole situation. But I would actually say that it's more on the players who have been the ones to answer and respond. One of the first leagues that saw players take action was the NBA. I don't recall who the Milwaukee Bucks were playing, but they basically said that they weren't going to come out and that they were going to suspend their game because they wanted to basically boycott the whole situation and go on strike. The NBA players have always been very outspoken, especially when it comes to social issues, and I feel like this was them taking the charge and taking the lead on yet another really important societal issue. It was a very powerful moment, and, you know, across the league you saw plenty of players and teams starting to do the same thing. You know, the, the voices all basically unified to say that we demand change, and I think that that is probably the one thing that everyone wants to hear right now is, we demand change. People can say whatever they want about everything that's happened, but I think the one thing that most people can agree on is that things right now cannot stay as they are. They have to change. Too many lives are being lost over nothing, and the amount of violence that Americans are are inflicting upon one another and suffering at the hands of law enforcement that really shouldn't be using anywhere near this level of force, both psychologically and physically, we're at a breaking point. The Milwaukee Brewers followed suit not long after and, and ended up going on strike during their game. I don't remember if the rest of the MLB followed suit, but I know that a, a number of games have been postponed due to a handful of the teams saying that they weren't going to play today, and I don't know if they're, they're planning to play tomorrow, but at, at least for tonight they were going to cancel. The MLS had a similar situation. It started, I think, with Atlanta United basically not coming out of the dressing room against their match with Inter-Miami. And it sounds like from you know, all of the accounts that it was a mutual decision and that both teams felt the same way, that they didn't want to play it out. And so uh, the rest of the league also ended up going on strike and canceling their games. You see a trend here, and then you see what the NHL did, which was to continue playing. And I think that this was where a lot of people last night were extraordinarily frustrated with the NHL's response to the whole situation. You know, all across North American sports, you saw teams and players coming together to suspend operations, basically go on strike and say enough is enough. But the NHL basically went straight ahead and their only acknowledgement of the whole situation was like a 33 second spot that they did at the start of, I forget which game, I don't know if it was Tampa Bay or Boston, Uh, but that was actually the only game that they even did it in front of. They didn't do it for the Western Conference game. And so it was just a really embarrassing moment for the NHL when everyone else was was essentially working in solidarity, even if they weren't communicating together. The NHL remains one of the leagues that just, for some reason, does not seem to get it. In a little bit, I'll talk about their actual response for today, but I think 
their response yesterday really showed where their thought process is. And this is right after Logan Couture's tweet, which if you haven't seen it, he basically said that he was in Toronto and got sucker punched for having a discussion and conversation about voting Republican, which for first off is very strange to me because he's not allowed to vote, right? He's a Canadian citizen. He doesn't have American citizenship. He doesn't participate in our electoral process. So he doesn't even have the right to vote in the U.S. You know, he immediately set it up as a, as a victimization situation, and there was no real context to it. And people started calling him out on it, saying, you know, you put out this Black Lives Matter statement, and then here again, you're coming right on the heels of the Jacob Blake protests and everything, including the shooting death of a couple of protesters during a, a situation at a gas station in Kenosha. And he thought that it would be appropriate to tweet this. You know, it's one thing to express a, a differing political view, right? But as always, no matter what you say, you have to be at least thinking about the consequences of what you say and what's actually happening around you. And Couture just seemed to be totally tone deaf to the whole situation and timing. People started prodding him about it, and then they said that, you know, his father was a police officer, and he, apparently, whoever he was talking to, he said he would vote Republican if he could, which that wasn't included in the initial part of the tweet chain. It just made it sound like he had said something about voting for Donald Trump, and that was it. That was enough to get him punched. I'm not going to call Couture a liar here, because I have no idea what happened, and I'm, I'm not sure that, you know, whether or not the altercation occurred. It's not really my business, but... At face value, the tweet is just very poorly worded. It wasn't a good thing to say, and he didn't really seem to get, when people were calling him out on it, what their message was. And the whole thing was, you know, he, he keeps trying to play the victim here and say that people aren't willing to listen to ideas that differ from theirs and react violently towards it. And it's like, well, duh, that's actually how most people on planet Earth function. When people hear things and, and perspectives that conflict with their own worldviews, they tend not to take it well. They don't really listen. I mean, it's not like this is a, a thing that's a political issue. It's actually just a human information processing issue. But the way that he painted the whole situation was really flawed from the start, and I feel like, you know, he should not have been punched. Whoever did it, if they actually punched him, if that was the situation, should not have punched him. But there's also no indication that he didn't respond and retaliate physically in some capacity or that he wasn't the one instigating the situation. And it's just, you know, Couture needed to be smarter about this whole thing, and he made a mistake. But not a mistake that was unintentional. He definitely made that statement intentionally. And it's very disappointing because, you know, he's got a number of colleagues and teammates who are players of color. And Evander Kane, his teammate, was one of the leading voices in the Black Lives Matter messaging that, you know, occurred during the George Floyd protests. And here he's basically showing that he really didn't take anything away from it other than maybe somebody like his PR agent writing the message that he put out on Twitter. I think if he really understood the whole point of everything that happened during that whole period of time, he would not have said the thing that he did. And his apology yesterday or the day before was just sort of like a non-apology in my opinion. I don't really think that he actually understood why people were so upset about it. This is the thing about listening to people and understanding what they're telling you. It's hard to do. It's really hard. You know, I think that that's not an easy process, but at the very base level, Couture didn't. And I think that that is one thing that the, the black community and so many other minority communities have said is that all of the stuff that these guys are doing, they view as performative because they haven't seen real action behind it yet. Black players and players of color in the NHL are still the ones shouldering all of the burden right now. And that should not be the case because it's not their responsibility to educate and help affect change. They can't be the only ones to carry all of this burden alone. In just a short moment, we'll talk about uh, some additional responses that came out today, and I think at least some of it is positive in my opinion, because 
for the first time, I feel like one of the teams that really doesn't have many players of color, but does have a fan base that is extremely diverse and, and operates in a city that's very diverse, actually took charge of a situation and helped provide support to guys like Kane and, and Simmons, who needed allies to really get the situation to a place where it needed to be. Before we get to that, though, I did want to talk about something that is also fairly personal, but it's more of a, an issue for a lot of guys. And I'm, of course, referring to erectile dysfunction, which, you know, no one wants to talk about because it's a very difficult subject. You know, usually we brush it off and blame ourselves, saying things like, I've lost my mojo, you know, I don't want to deal with it, I've had a long day at work, or I'm just not feeling it. But finally, there's a solution for talking about it in real terms and in a safe environment. With Roman, you can speak with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication and treatment options. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is very simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Talking about erectile dysfunction used to be tough, but now Roman's here to help. Complete an online visit today and get the treatment you need when you need it. On a more lighthearted note, I did want to tell you a bit about your story, a startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and game publisher based in Winnipeg. I know I've grown up with lots of comics and games throughout my entire life, and they've always been an important part of my childhood and learning to grow up. If you're looking for some comics for adults, though, things that speak to us you know, on a thematic level and something that even has a local flavor, you're going to love what your story has to offer. They're currently launching a full lineup of comics, including their flagship comic, The River Knows, which is set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. The best way to describe it is that it's a film noir detective series with supernatural elements like X-Files crossed with Mad Men with an art style that's reminiscent of Sin City. If you're into a little bit of cosmic horror and dread, this is exactly the kind of series that's up your alley. You might even spot out Portage in Maine, and having that local flavor helps to really set the river nose apart from a lot of other noir detective stories. I'm fairly picky, but I thought it was a great comic and I think you'll enjoy it a lot too. If you're into gaming, they're also launching their new fun-for-all-ages game called Alien Machine Glow, which features the hijinks of grumpy old man Gil, who, through the intervention of a well-placed meteorite that lands in this cucumber patch, gains the ability to see aliens. You can find out more about Alien and Machine Glow and all of Your Story's other comics and publications by visiting yourstory.ca where you can purchase any of their ebooks and limited, high-quality, first-print-run, 8.5x11 magazine-style comics. Be sure to use one-time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. I know tonight's been a bit of a downer episode, but there was at least some good news coming out of some of the NHL discussions that occurred today, and I think one of the big things is that the NHL finally decided to cancel today's games, and very likely tomorrow's games too. The players, including some of the members from the Hockey Diversity Alliance and around 100 other players from, you know, the the bubble teams, got together on a call to discuss what to do. And it sounds like the Vancouver Canucks are one of the driving forces for helping the HDA to sell the idea of canceling all of the games. For me, this is kind of important because, you know, the NHL has a lot of players who are rich and white, which is the, the typical background of a hockey player these days. And so the opportunities for representation and really a diverse supporter base and player base is is fairly limited. And you see Vancouver with a fairly diverse fan base because Vancouver itself is is very multicultural, but you don't always have that with a lot of other teams. The Canucks roster, though, is definitely featuring quite a few Europeans and Canadian and American rich white players, which is, you know, definitely a plus to see them allying with the uh, Hockey Diversity Alliance to get some of these games suspended. You know, I, I said earlier that more players 
who are white and, and come from those typical demographics of the NHL need to be ones to step up and, and take charge of the situation. Too often we've seen guys like Matt Dumba be the only ones on their team to say anything about you know racial injustice and make a statement or even perform an action. And for me, that's just not acceptable. You know, I, I want to see more of the league doing this because I think it, it would help show that for one thing, players of color aren't alone in the league. And maybe you can also change a few hearts from the fan bases. I mean, a lot of fans are, are very much against the idea of talking about politics and social issues when it comes to sports, but I think there's no real escaping it now. It's everywhere, and I think it's important that people are not afraid to talk about it openly. Because if we don't have this dialogue, we're just going to keep running in circles, and too many people are going to suffer the same fate as Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake... George Floyd. I mean, we just can't keep doing this over and over again. Something has to change, and it starts with us. As far as the rest of this week's shows are concerned, I don't really know what the schedule is going to be yet, just because I don't even know what there's going to be to talk about beyond these issues. So I'll probably work on doing some crossover shows with some of our other hosts, and I'll try and give you whatever hockey updates and recaps are available at the time, but I don't think there's going to be a whole lot happening this weekend, so... Just stay tuned and, and watch my Twitter feed. I'll let you know what's going on. I thank you all so much for your support. Be sure to check out our Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. And be sure to also check out all of our Locked On affiliate shows because I think all of us in some capacity are going to be talking about the events of the past several days. And everyone has really good perspectives and insights that one person alone can't deliver. This is a story that needs to be told by a lot of different voices. And I think it's important that we all listen. So thank you so much. Have a great night and go Jets go.